0: I invite you to stand with your Bibles in hand, Matthew chapter 18, Matthew chapter 18. I'll be reading verses 21 and 22, 21 and 22. The Bible reads, then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? seven times. Jesus said unto him, I say unto thee, until seven... uh, Jesus said unto him, I say not unto thee, until seven times, but until seventy times seven. You may be seated.
1: The spirit of forgiveness First of all, this is not a disclaimer. I am not uh, apologizing. I am just saying that uh, I, over many years in the ministry, I have learned that uh, I am just an ordinary channel that God has called to preach his good news of salvation to his children and he always preached through the process of uh, working on research and study and preparation of the sermon he preaches that message to me and whenever I preach it I am also preaching it to myself so it is not any accusation or pointing of uh, faults and forget and sins and none of that and uh, remember that you come to church to hear something from, from God and uh, God will use human instrumentalities as myself to share those messages. So uh, remember as we prayed also we just prayed a special prayer with you asking God that uh, this may be As if you were the last sermon I would ever preach or as if you were the last sermon you would ever hear and that his name may be uplifted and glorified and that each and every one of us of us you and me as I am preaching may receive a blessing from him so let us remember that that it is from him the forgiveness the spirit of forgiveness the limits of forgiveness if I would ask you what is the or, or are the limits of forgiveness? Um, before you answer, um, I would say there are no limits um, of forgiveness. There are no limits. And that's what exactly what Jesus was going through, his explanation. I say not unto you seven times, but what? Seven. Seventy times seven. I'll tell you, uh, I'm not that good in math, but I know that that is 490. All right. I told you I'm not not good in math. But um, that is one of those easy ones. After someone comes to you to make things right more than 20, 30 times, you will be so close of 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 of, 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 friend, of, of friends that uh, it will be easy for you to to forgive that person. But here's one concept that we need to keep in mind in all this process. We 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 talk about uh, forgiving others when they come and ask for forgiveness, and most of the time, if not always, we expect the person to come to us and ask for forgiveness. That the the beginning of forgiveness is when the person comes to you and recognizes his mistake or her mistake and asks for, for forgiveness. At least that is the most common thought, the common belief. If not, it is the, If it is not the common thought or belief, it is the attitude that we have. The way we live and who we are. We expect someone to come and say, I'm sorry, it was my fault. But is that biblical? Why have we come to believe such a thing? Mm-hmm. Have you ever wondered? Let me say this. And uh, if uh, I ever become, if I ever, when, when I die, that's when you become very famous. Mm-hmm. My kids study music and they say that uh, Beethoven and all those, Mozart and all those, they were not really. Famous and Barbara studied music and she knows it. They were not really that famous, they were locally famous and good scholars and so on, but they became world famous after they died. And many years later, many were like a hundred years later. So a hundred years from now you know that this uh, pastor with a Brazilian accent uh, by the name of Joseph, um, that Tells all these illustrations to the kids. It indicates to us that he had a very messed up childhood by getting into trouble all the time. That's all you will remember. <laughs> but remember this. Um, that he said this statement. It's from him. He didn't copy from anyone else. But working in this sermon, God inspired me. And you will tell me if it is um, true or not. But the number, the number one characteristic in the life of a Christian is the spirit of forgiveness. Because one becomes a Christian when only when he is forgiven. And this fact sets the Christian into motion of going on forgiving others. Yes. Isn't it? You become a Christian after you are forgiven. And then that causes you to go on forgiving others. Everyone. Period. There is no measurement of how much and who and when. You forgive because you have been Forgiven. And the greatest debt between the one who sinned against you and you, and, and you who sinned against God, you do know how much you sinned against God. You do know that amount. And you know that, uh, at least I know, in my case, it was a lot. And God forgave me. So why should I not forgive these? mere and um, silly uh, things that happen uh, among us, to us in this world. Remember, the fiercest battle is yet to come, and our greatest trial will not come from without, but from within. If you have not learned to forgive these pity pity things, and I'm so sorry I'm not diminishing what people did to you or not, or to me, but if you have not learned how to forgive them, imagine when that fiercest time of earth's history comes upon us. Sister White does say that we should prepare, Christians should be preparing for what is yet to come upon the world as an overwhelming surprise. See, I preached on that so much that I memorized it. I don't know the text, but if I search it, you will find. Christians should be preparing for what is yet to come upon the world as an overwhelming surprise. Until then, we need to exercise all that we can um, in our Christian walk, and therefore, here's what I believe, I truly believe you just go with me along with me in your thoughts i don't have the passage here but if you go to that famous chapter of uh, the fruit of the spirit galatians 5 yeah good seventh day Adventists. they know at least the chapter Um, uh, some 22 and some can say all of them i am not one of those i can say all the bible passages i can say almost but i don't want to I will just paraphrase the the words that I used there and make this statement. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, can all be summarized in this statement. The spirit of forgiveness. Period. The spirit of forgiveness, when a Christian has that spirit of forgiveness, he has all those fruits. All of those. And if you go to, to verse one, uh, verse 21, you will see the opposite of that. And you don't want to be found having those things on verse 21. Therefore, the text for today, Matthew 28, uh, uh, 18, verses 21 to 22. And not that the brother didn't read it well. He read it better than me, but to send the, 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 the sermon into to the end, beginning and the end, to the end. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? Imagine if Jesus said, yes, Peter, you got it seven times. But on the eighth time? And Peter would go, ah, Lord, thank you. I knew it. I got this theology that I ra- learned with my rabbis. Yeah, I always knew it. I always knew it. Seven times, seven times. And then Jesus said what? Jesus, however, said to them, to him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until 70 times seven. And in Romans chapter 12, verse 17 through 18, do not repay anyone evil for evil, period. It doesn't say the amount of time. Do not pay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of every one. People do wrong to you. You do what is right to them. Everyone covers them. And then verse 18 says what? Verse 18 says what? It is, it is if it is possible... As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now, how many people uh, does it take uh, to produce a fight? At least two, right? At least two. Or you fight against yourself. You go in the mirror and go like, yeah, (laughs) I hate you. You need to lose some weight. Or you need to fix this and that. Don't be that hard on yourself. Do this. Do something about it and when you look at the mirror next time you'll see, oh wow, you're looking good. So you'll be friends. You'll be friends with yourself. So, but anyways, uh, as far as it depends it depends on you, I will tell you one thing. At every single time it will depend on me. Every single time it will depend on me. Do you know why? Do you know why? Because to live in peace. I can live in peace. It depends on me. I go to brother Ellsworth and I say, brother, and I make things right and so on. And if he is furious and he doesn't forgive me and he even says and repeats those things to me and so on, well, this is on him. I myself am in peace. So it will always depend on me. And by the way, he has never said anything to me other than just, um, hi, happy Sabbath. He's a good friend, good man of God. In other words, when you do not forgive, you become the victim twice. You were hurt once, and now you don't forgive. You are the victim again because you are not in peace, right? So it is up to you to offer only uh, to suffer only once. This poem, "Joy Is," by this American author. Uh, Christian author Victor G. Beers. It's too long. Uh, let me, okay. Um, I didn't do it in this order. It's just that it came out this way, my, my PowerPoint. Error is the inevitable consequence of living. I, I, I am quoting it because I believe that it was an inspiration from God. Error is the inevitable consequence of living. If you are living, if you are on this earth, you will make mistakes. Mutual error is the inevitable consequence of living together. Argument or fault finding is the defensive mechanism to preserve an ego ego in trouble. Confession is the sacrifice of ego into the altar of love. Forgiveness is the balm of healing that soothes and heals the wounds of error. Again, move on. Joy is, again, error is inevitable consequence of living. Mut- mutual error is inevitable consequence of living together. Argument. Or fault-finding is the defensive mechanism to preserve an ego in trouble. Confession is the sacrifice of ego in the altar of love. Forgiveness is the balm of healing that soothes and heals the wounds of error. Mark chapter 11 verse 25. And when you stand, pay attention to this text, Pay attention to this text. How this can throw all oh, belief about forgiveness that someone has to come to you and ask for forgiveness before you forgive him and so on. This throws it all. Uh, this, this, uh, this belief, this philosophy throws it all away. We are all wrong. And when you stand praying, forgive. If you have aught against any that your father uh, also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. You know the word ought and so on, let me go to New King James Version just for the English sake. Moving, uh, and when you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. Do you know what this text is saying? When I go to serve God, okay, uh, and and, and pray and have a relationship with Him. If somebody else did something wrong to me, it was not even that I did something wrong to the person. Hmm. That's the call for us, you and I, to live the Christian life. It's not easy, but if you do not want to, If you do not practice it now, you will not be ready when the fiercest trial of Earth's history will come upon us. Let me use somebody else. Brother Frank, our head elder, he ate the cookies from the cookie jar that belonged to me. He did something terrible to me. And his grandchildren, will try to find out later, and go check the cookies from the cookie jar. It was mine, cookies. And I go and pray. And I am upset that he did that to me. For me to have a good relationship with God and God to answer my prayers, me who is holy, I'm not, but he, me who is holy, didn't do anything wrong to no one, should go there and say, Frank, um, the cookies from the cookie jar, remember? Remember that I told you it was mine? I was keeping that for later. You ate then, ate it. That's all right, give me a hug. Let's be happy. You are my friend. I forgive, I, I, I forget and I forget. Now you're sorry father. Okay, okay. I make things right with him, even though it was not my fault. And then when I go and pray, it will all be beautiful. Read the text. And that's what what the text is saying. And who is preaching this? Who is saying this? Jesus himself. Now, this is a serious, serious, serious thing. Now, who is more capable to help, to help? The stronger, healthier, wiser, more intelligent, more spiritual, or the weak, feeble, betrayer? Who's more more capable to help? The stronger, the healthier, the the stronger spiritually, right? In that case, who has the most tendency of making mistakes? The weaker, the poor, the less spiritual. In this case, which one can help the other? This one. The stronger, the, more, the stronger spiritually. That's why that is the concept that Jesus is teaching. You go there and you help him. Next time, Frank sees the <laughs> cookies in the cookie jar, he goes, um, you know what? Um, I ate that time, and it was nice, delicious. But he came and talked to me, and he was my friend. He was kind. I, I will eat only half. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know, but, but, but on one, one and on and on. Then one day he will say, you know what? Uh, hey, Joseph, is it, isn't it time for you to eat your cookies? Um, and then he knows I will share with him, because I am that kind, that nice. Because I went to him. That's the idea. That's the idea. When we, f- when you forgive others, you are in reality showing them that God has forgiven you. You have learned the concept. Yeah. That's why you do. That's why. Now, when you don't forgive, it is you are saying to yourself, by your actions, your attitude, your demeanor, that uh, I don't, I don't feel like I have been forgiven. I have not understood God's forgiveness. What Jesus did for me, um, I didn't. Don't remember. I didn't read. I never learned. That's what you are saying. Because one who has been forgiven much should also forgive much. So when we understand that we have been forgiven, we are able. We are capable to forgive. Many passages in the Bible portray human forgiveness as an unconditional act. Which is not dependent upon the repentance of the one who wronged you. And you see it all the time. You see Joseph. I'll tell you one thing. That Joseph in Egypt. I don't need to say it. But I will say It's totally different than this Joseph here. But this Joseph here is a lot better than what he used to be. One day in this process of sanctification and I hope and pray and ask God that it goes through as fast as possible because the world is coming to an end very fast and I want to be ready when it comes to an end. I will go like, good! Mm -hmm. I'll be happy. I'm out of here. He is coming for me. If I die, I die. I'm forgiven. But I, okay, Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 13. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, how many of you here truly think and believe that you are holy and dearly loved? Amen. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness patience, all the fruits of the Spirit there in Galatians. And then it goes on in verse 13, bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. You know the word grievance does not mean if you did something wrong to that person, or it it, it doesn't explain. A grievance is, I have a grievance with Frank. He ate the cookies of the cookie jar in the cookie jar, and all these things, and it was mine. I have this grievance. It doesn't say who sinned. Uh, If I say I have a grievance with him, I have a grievance. And then you may say, uh, did you do something wrong to him? No. Nope. Did he do something wrong to you? You can ask both ways, because it's just a grievance. It says, if you have that grievance, whatever it is, if it is your fault or not, just do it. Just uh, forgive as who? The Lord has forgiven you. Do you know how much the world needs forgiveness? Do you know? Imagine, imagine, imagine. And guess what? You've been there. You came from there. Even if you were born in the church and raised in all this holiness, eating La Linda vegetarian. I don't recommend those. Uh, b- keeping the Sabbath and going to church with your nice clothes and so on. Uh, there is a point in time when you are converted. You are not born converted. Amen. Ask the mothers when they are f- breastfeeding the little baby that is just toothless for two days. He will bite to get more milk. He knows an approach that is from causing pain to get some sort of good result. Sin, sin. And he's just, you know, my, my son, uh, years ago, he was, as a boy, has way too much energy that can be contained in his body. He's causing too much excitement in the house and so on. I I grabbed that little picture that it was the ultrasound. And and, uh, it was little, I said, Listen, look at what you used to be. Now you think you are something. Um, That's what you used to be. And you are born in this world, not as, oh, I was born a really good Christian and then I got into trouble. No, you are born sinful. And you, you know. Do you know how much the world needs forgiveness? Here, a story. A famous writer, this one you know, Ernest Hemingway. Yeah, this is a famous one. Wrote the story of a father and his teenage son. In the story, the relationship had become somewhat strained and the teenage son ran away from home. His father began to began a journey in search of that rebellious son. Finally, in Madrid, Spain, in a last desperate attempt to find his son, the boy, the father put an ad on the local newspaper. The ad read, Dear Paco, meet me in front of the newspaper office. All is forgiven. I love you, your father. The next day, in front of the newspaper office, 800 Pacos showed up. (laughs) Paco is a very common Spanish name, Pacos. They were all seeking for forgiveness. They were all seeking the love of their father. I believe there are some Pacos here, I I believe I may be wrong, and there are also here some that need to offer Paco forgiveness. Acts of the Apostles page 333, when we study the divine character In the light of the cross, we see mercy, tenderness, and forgiveness blended with equity and justice. We see, in the midst of the throne, one bearing in hands and feet and side, the marks of the suffering endured to reconcile man to God. We see a father infinite, dwelling in light unapproachable, yet receiving us to himself through the merits of his Son. The cloud of vengeance that threatened only misery and despair in the light reflected from the cross reveals the writing of God. Live, sinner, live. be penitent. Believing souls live. I have paid the ransom. Hmm. The concept of forgive in order to be forgiven stems directly from the divine teaching of forgive because you have already been forgiven. That's how and when you became a. We became. Uh, uh, Christians. So you can only forgive if you have already been forgiven. In other words, if you are not able to forgive, it is because you have not experienced forgiveness yet. Thoughts from the mountain of blessing, one uh, thirteen. He who is unforgiving, cuts off the very channel through which alone he can receive mercy from God. We should not think that unless those who have injured us confess the wrong, we are justified in withholding from them our forgiveness. So we should not believe these things. It is their part, no doubt, to humble their hearts by repentance and confession. But we are to have a spirit of compassion toward those who have trespassed against us, whether or not they confess their faults. If you have not experienced the uh, forgiveness, there is a great need for you to afflict your soul, for us to afflict our souls in a spiritual struggle with God for forgiveness ourselves. One day the Lord will come uh, uh, and we will meet Him and He will come to meet those whose sins He has forgiven, but sad to say, they have not been forgiven because they have not afflicted their souls uh, before God. Okay, here uh, yeah, One day the Lord God will come to meet those whose sin has, uh, He has forgiven. But said sad to, to say, Those, some, have not been forgiven because they have not afflicted their souls before God for the forgiveness of their sins, to make them able to forgive others. The truth, however then, is, as hard as it may sound, is that they have not yearned for the forgiveness of their souls, and that is why they also are not able to forgive. So the truth of the matter, the summary of it all, for me, you will only know that you have been forgiven. How do you know? You you wonder like a, Okay, let me, let, me, let me share this. You study last day's event. Towards the end of that chapter, you will read something in the line of uh, during our great struggle in the general time of trouble, the idea will be that we will be afflicting our souls to remember our sins and we will not remember them. And we will be questioning what of what happened, and have I been forgiven? Have I been forgiven? Here's a way of a knowing, of us knowing that we have been forgiven. You will only know that you have been forgiven by God when you are fully able to forgive those who have sinned against you, who have wronged you, totally, no matter what they did, and when or who they were. When you are able to do that, then you know I have been forgiven by God. I know it, I know it, because I am happy. I am content. I have a, a, even a pleasure in making peace with those who have wronged me. It's hard, it's hard. Here, mount, Mountain from the mount, uh, Thoughts from the Mountain of Blessings, 114. God's forgiveness is not merely a judicial act by which he sets us free from condemnation like a lawyer, okay? It's not merely that. It is not only forgiveness for sin, but reclaiming from sin. It is the outflow of redeeming love that transforms the heart. He forgives and he transforms the heart. Now, it is not the same heart. David had a, the true conception of forgiveness when he prayed, creating me. A clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. What did I do? How terrible, how horrible I was. How wrong I was. And this was in, in consequences of uh, his sin with the uh, Uriah, the husband of uh, Bathsheba that he took as his wife. Later. You know the story. And again he says, David goes on, he says, as far as the east is from the west, so far hath He removed our transgressions from us." Did you know that the more you go to the west, the farther you, the more you go to the east, the farther you go to the west? So, to the point that uh, it is eternally, you go around the planet earth and you will never go, going, going west you will never reach east. It will be eternal. So that's what, that's what he is saying. So, to conclude, David understood, next, David understood this concept and of, and and he pleaded for God's complete forgiveness. Then he was forgiven, therefore he was able to forgive. Paul understood this concept and repented before God for the forgiveness of all his sins. Therefore, he was able to forgive. Peter understood this concept of forgiving because he had received forgiveness from God. Therefore, he was able to forgive. Many other Bible characters understood that they had received forgiveness for all their sins. Therefore, they were able to forgive. Now? What about you? What about us?